0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com.
1: I'm going to talk. I just got glasses. and I, 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 well, But they're far away glasses. So you look amazing. Beautiful, clear. For such a long time, I thought we had a, a church of blurry, ugly people. And now it's like, man, everyone's so clear. But the bad news is, is they're only far away glasses. And so I'm not sure how far away I'm going to have to stand to read my talk, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, last week, just a real quick recap, we have been speaking about a bite, we missed you at the life course, just, I'm just going to say, we missed you at the life course, but that's okay. I'm sure it was, it was Brooke's fault, problem, but anyway, okay, so, uh, it's no shame there, it's just, as a loving invitation of, of missing, but anyway, um, We've been talking a lot about abiding. We've been in John 15. I I I struggled. I made a a valiant effort to get out of John 15 this week. And as you're going to find out, I ended up there accidentally. And so um, that's where we're going to land. But last week we talked about, man, it's a great snapshot. I I I talked about what is our purpose? What is God's will for your life or or who you're becoming? And I said, we are to become people who love God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. That is our purpose, okay, as people who follow Jesus. And, and we said the reason that's our purpose, the why behind that is that when we do that, what happens? We glorify God. When we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, people are like, man, you're amazing, but it's not you because the things that you're doing, who you've become is greater then you could do that on your own. And so people are drawn to God, right? So we talked about that, right? So track with me here. Or I'm gonna go back and preach about it again because I just love it. Anyway, and so that's the why. And then the how was, and we talked about abiding again. The abiding is how all of that happens. And, and, and so this is the question we wanna start with this week. So why don't we do that more? What stops us from doing that, what stops us from loving God with all our, our heart, soul, mind, and strength? What stops us from glorifying him and finding and becoming who he's created us to be? Well, I think it's because there's an enemy. We're in a war, is what the Bible describes. And we are being opposed. That, there is, that The enemy or the devil and his henchmen and the world is opposing the growing of God's kingdom. Because when we love God that way and we glorify God that way, what happens is people are drawn to God and people then become greater branches. And, and he's, you know, and, and so the kingdom of God, that's what it looks like for the kingdom of God to move forward. But the enemy who opposes God, his desire is for the exact opposite to happen. And so what he does is he convinces you that you're really not who, you, who he has said that you are. You really aren't as powerful as beautiful, as amazing as God has told you. Because if we believe that we were who God says we are, if we believe that, that we are image bearers of the living God, that we are the visible expression of God, if we believe that, we become very dangerous. We become very powerful when we start to exercise that authority. And so one of the things that he does is he helps us, encourages us to believe other things about ourselves. You know, before I got glasses, I thought I saw clearly (laughs) and I was in the glasses store and when I put my glasses on, I almost said some curse words because I was so shocked at how clear everything became and not just clear, it's like colors came alive and People, I could, like, I could see features that I had never seen. That doesn't sound good. But I could, I could, I was in Walmart. So, I mean, just, there's a whole, I'm, so I'm not talking about the features that you probably thought I was talking about. It was a little bit scary. And so I took them off. And, uh, but my, but my but what I thought was, I'm only gonna wear these at night because I realized like when I'm driving, that uh, I I can't see so well. And and that's the first place I noticed it. So I thought, I'm just gonna buy these glasses. I can go to Walmart and get them. No big deal. You know, I'm just gonna wear them every once in a while. My eyes get tired at the end of the day. But I didn't even know I needed them. I didn't even know I needed them until I was driving with Laura. And Laura told me, like, she's like, get off of that exit, it's exit 67. And I'm like, from here to the pole, and I'm like, exit, I can't see the sign. I can't see what, is that, What? I don't know what number that is. She's like, you can't see that? I was like, no. She's like, you need to get your eyes checked. But I had no idea that I was as blind as I was or that I couldn't see. And one of my eyes is like bionic. It's like, can see forever. And my other eye is, it can't see beyond, you know, the end of my hand. And so um, I don't know why God made me that way, but or that's probably not true either. But anyway, see that eye? Gosh, but, um, but that's the way that it is. But it took someone telling me that you're, you might be blind or you, you need to get that checked out Explaining, you settled for less, you settled for less than you've been created to see, right? So you know where I'm going with this. That's exactly what the enemy does. We have settled for less without even knowing it, believing the lie that we are less than God sees us and how God sees us. And so we look at what the world tells us, we look at what friends tell us, we look at what, 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 you know, what, what authorities have told us as we've grown up, and we've believed that we are less than we are. And the result of that is what? Well, then we feel like we're not worthy of God. We feel like we have nothing to offer God. We feel like, well, how could God use someone like me? And that's what the enemy does. But it's not until someone speaks the truth over us and tells us and helps us to see ourselves as we are that we really will begin to believe that that's true. I wanna show you a video. It's powerful. It's the gospel. Don't be angry at Simon Cow. This is Britain Got Talent. Let's see that video. It's all yours. Good luck.
0: Hello. Hello. How are you? Scared. Don't be scared. Simon does bite, but don't be scared. Okay. All right. What's your name? Alice Frednam. And how old are you, Alice? I'm 28. 28 and you're from where Hertfordshire. Do you have a day job? I'm a beauty therapist. Have you brought anyone with you today? No (laughs) No, so your family don't know that you're here. No, I didn't tell anyone because I just thought I'd rather just go alone And then if I'm not successful, I don't have to admit that to anyone (laughs) Whenever you're ready good luck. Okay, thanks Stage fright is something I've battled with. I'm just trying to take each minute as it comes. Someone says no. It's like for me, it's like you're not good enough. That's where I think most of the the like nervousness comes from. Is that I, you know, that, that people say no. I really want to succeed because I feel like I'm failing myself more than anything. I want to prove to everybody I'm here for something, something more than what they maybe thought. Your looks are oh. Is what I have been waiting for. Your voice is like liquid gold. You have such an authentically beautiful voice. You look amazing. <laughs> and you know you could sing the phone book. Uh, I absolutely love you, and I love your voice, and I also love the fact that you'd actually don't even know how good you are. Well. I have to say that was the most mesmerizing, sultry, sexy performance, and I fell in love with you. Alice, why are you crying? I just don't think I ever expected this kind of response. It was like my dream, and now it's just happened. When you sing, you're like a goddess. It's incredible. World class. Sniveling everywhere. <laughs>
1: not ironic that she's singing about valentine's it's valentine's weekend i watched that video and just started weeping after it and and i was watching around the room and saw people wiping tears away because that is the gospel of jesus christ and what it looks like to figure out and be told about who you really are and what you can really do and when you watch her it's amazing it's amazing to see her become and to start to believe that she really is those things that she's being told that she is. Because all of our life and all of her life, people have told her, you're not going to amount to anything. Someone's told her that you're, you don't have a good voice. She said it in the interview. She said, no, I'm afraid of no, because when people say no, that makes me feel like I'm not good enough. And again and again, she'd been told that, she'd been told that, she'd been told that. She finishes singing, and, and Simon Cow is like the God figure, unfortunately, in this story. <laughs> And Simon Cowell says, what does he say to her? He says, your, your voice is like liquid gold, right? But that's not what gets her. That's not what crushes her and causes her to almost hide behind the microphone. It's when he says, and you're beautiful. Your voice is beautiful, but you are beautiful. Whatever, you know, they say that there is a the one question the man has and that is, are you good enough? Do you have what it takes? And every man needs to know that that is true about them or they'll lose hope. And for every woman, the question that they want to know and understand is that they are beautiful. And he says that to her and she wants to hide behind the microphone because she has a hard time believing that it's true because of the lies that she's believed her whole life. And it's not until someone else tells her that you've settled for less, this is not who you are, that she begins to believe the truth about herself. If we want to abide, if we want to live as people who love and glorify God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are built to do that and need to be in relationship with each other for that to happen. We will not become who God's created us to be. We cannot become who God has created us to be unless we are linked with other people who are reminding us of God's beauty that they see in us. This is true for every one of us. This is how God has built us and designed us and wired us. It's what is so powerful and beautiful, like a holiday, like Valentine's. Not because it's about the romantic love, but it emphasizes this reality. We are built to be in relationship. We are best in relationship. We become who God's created us to be in relationship. Not necessarily a romantic relationship, But friendship with brothers and sisters in Christ is more powerful Is a bond that cannot be broken is something that is unique and is necessary and needed as we're seeking to learn to abide and to love God the way that we're called to love God because we simply don't believe the truth about ourselves. And if we don't have people around us reminding us, the enemy wins and we settle for a life that's less than God has for us and a life that's less than God has for us is a life that requires little faith. It's a life that requires little risk. It's a life that is filled with fear of failing, of letting people down, of being disappointed with ourselves and other people. We end up with a life that does not glorify God. And you saw that before she sang, didn't you? I'm a, I didn't bring anyone with me because I was afraid gonna, I was gonna let him down. I didn't have to make excuses for why I failed. So I didn't bring anyone with me. Stage fright, where did it come from? The, from the fear of people saying no, that she didn't have what it takes. A life filled with fear. And what did it cause her to do? It paralyzed her to where she was unwilling to take a risk and step out and become who God had created her to be. And that's what will happen to us If we don't have people around us, people with us that are reminding us of who we are, of how beautiful we are, of helping us see ourselves clearly the way that God sees us. It's why city groups are important. It's why Beer Fest was important on Friday night. With the men getting together, it's why knit together is important. It's why our staff and the volunteer teams that we have, the way they care for and love and develop and pour into them is important because we need to be reminding each other of how awesome we are, of how powerful we are, of how beautiful we are, of how amazing we are, because we are, we are created in the image of God and we forget that. You know, one of the things I tell married couples when I'm doing counseling with them is that um, this is your your best, last chance to become who God's created you to be. This is your last, best chance to become who God's created you to be. Because if there was any other way for you to glorify him with your life and to live for him, if there's any other way, he wouldn't have you getting married. Because getting married... It's a pain in the butt. I mean, it's going to distract you. It's going to wear you out. It's going to to wear you down. You're going to have multiple kingdom vision responsibilities. When you get married and you have kids, it takes you out of and away from the simplicity and the directness and the focus of living a life centered on God. Not that we shouldn't be, then we do those things in marriage. But Paul tells us, if you can avoid getting married, don't do it. Just don't do it. Now, having said that, marriage and relationship is amazing because this is what we believe. This is what Christians believe about marriage, is that when we get married within the covenant of marriage, it's not like we become two rings, okay? Like, you see that picture? There's two circles and there's like an intersection in them, like this, you know? That's not what marriage is like for the Christian. What the marriage is like for the Christian is we, be- we stay who God's created us to be, right? And then around us is the covenant, which creates safety which creates opportunity, which creates security in, in the covenant we have with God. And God says, now continue, Antley, to become who you've called, been called to be and how I've designed you and how I've made you. And Laura's responsibility, my wife, is to encourage me and make that happen. Not for me to sacrifice the call that God has on my life and the vision that God has for me, but for her to empower me to do that. Now, what's my role in the relationship? The very same thing for her, to help her continue to become who God's created her to be. That's what happens in the Christian marriage. And so, therefore, that's what I mean by it's our last chance to become who we've been created to be. Now, for some of you that are single here, you really want to be married. That God's put that desire in your heart. That's good, and that's a good desire. But believe this truth. You don't need to be married to become who God's created you to be. You don't. And don't believe that lie because you will end up chasing something your whole life and making that your idol and your God instead of serving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's a pain in the butt. And it's distracting. It's beautiful and it's a blessing and it's amazing if that's what God's called you to and he will open those doors. But don't believe the lie that you are any less or that you have settled for less or you have experienced less of the kingdom or the opportunity if you're not married. Okay. So Valentine's is a good day because it reminds us, and it, and it and it communicates, and talks about this reality of how we're called to live life in relationship with other people, that we become better. And and, and one of the unspoken kind of values of River State Church that I talk about all the time is this truth, that relationships are the fabric of transformation relationships are what god uses to transform our hearts relationship with jesus relationship with the spirit relationship with the father and relationship with other people it's how we're called to live it's how we're called to become who he's created us to be and friendship is the same way the foundation for these relationships is love not any kind of love. It's not necessarily the romantic love that should be part of marriage, but maybe not your friendships because that would just get jacked up quick. All right, all right. But, but brotherly love is the foundation for the relationship that calls us into something greater and self greater than being self focused in the relationship. Many of us enter in relationships, even marriages, that we we enter it to get what we can out of it. We 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 enjoy friendships because of what we get out of it. People get married because of what they want to get out of it. But the kind of relationship God calls us into that speaks truth and inspires is sacrificial love. A brotherly love that is not self-focused, but is other-focused. And when we look at the scripture today, and I tried to avoid it. Because I thought, I was doing this sermon, right? And I thought, man, I know the best scripture for this. That no greater love is this, that a man lays down his life for another man. This is what love is. And Jesus points to himself as doing the same thing. Well, guess where it is? John 15. It's the next verse in what we've been studying. I'm telling you, God is so good at leading the church. And when I get in the way, he's like, uh-uh. We're doing the next verse, ain't we? And so this is what the next verse says in the vine and the branch of story. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so, I, so have I loved you. And Jesus tells us, not abide in me this time. He says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friend. Father, we pray that you'd come and seal that word in our hearts and protect it from the enemy and speak us truth, speak truth, yeah, amen. So we read verse 10, and we think, we, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. We read this, and we think, the way that we abide is by keeping his commandments, right? I mean, that's what it kind of says, yeah? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in me. That's what it says, all right? But that doesn't sound like grace. That sounds like works to me. It sounds like if you do these things, then you'll experience my love for you. That doesn't sound like Jesus to me. And so I got in looking at stuff, right? Trying to make up what I wanted it to say. Just seeing what the possibilities were. Because I didn't like what that said. And sure enough, when you look at the sentence structure of this, in the original language, what it really says is this. Or more accurately says is this. You will only be able to keep my commandments if you abide in my love. Isn't that what Jesus has been teaching the whole time about abiding? That when we abide in him, then and only then will we bear fruit. It'll just happen. Well, this is the same thing. He's saying, if you want, if you want to be able to keep my commandments, you have to abide in my love because it's only out of abiding in my love that you'll be able to keep my commandments. That's a big shift Holy cow, translators. I might start translating the Bible or something crazy. <laughs> no only would buy it, okay. <laughs> but that's what it's saying. And then verse 11, the next verse says, so that my joy may be full. Why does God want us to keep his commandments? Why does God want us to abide in him? Because more than anything, he wants us to experience the joy he has for us. And the joy he has for us, how he sees us, who he's created us to be can only happen as we're abiding in his love. But I love this verse. This verse says that the world, look, look at the joy you're after. Look at the happiness you're after. Look at the excitement you're after. Look at the life. We've all been created and designed for it. Come look at Jesus. Spend time with Jesus because then and only then will you be able to experience the, a joy that is full and overflowing. I mean, I love God's motivation. And Remember, this whole passage is about us glorifying him. But in the midst of glorifying him and giving our life to him, what, what's the response? What's his response? I will fill your life with joy. Thank you very much. I'll take some of that. I want some of that. I mean, that's, uh, yes, I'll do that. I'll try that. Because I'm selfish. And there's something in it for me. But as we, yeah, when I can get into that. So then the next verse, it says, Jesus clears out. What does he mean by commandments? What's he talking about? What commandments will we be doing if we abide in his love? And he singles it down to one. My commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Abiding, lived out, looks like loving one another. You see what God's doing here? So what does it look like to be abiding in Jesus? It looks like loving one another. How do we abide in Jesus? By other people loving us and reminding us of who we are so that we'll desire to abide in God. So there's, there's like a circle happening here. In order for us to abide and want to seek God and to become who he's created to be, we need brothers and sisters around us reminding us of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness, of God's attributes, like Amber was saying, reminding us of how good he is and how he's created us and who he's created us to be so that as we abide in him, we will experience that. We'll want to abide in him. We'll want to come to him. And the result of us abiding to him is what? Then we go and do that to other people, encourage other people. That's the journey of what it looks like to be a part of the vine of Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like to be a part of the Christian faith. Abiding is hard. It's so hard. It's so hard to choose to abide in Jesus' love and to find life in Jesus' love because we're distracted by the lies and the world and the enemy and all those things. It's hard. Bearing fruit, it's easy. Why? Because of abiding. Oh crap, that's hard though. Oh man, yeah. And then glorifying God, we got to bear much fruit. Bear much fruit, that's easy. How do we bear much fruit? Abiding, that's hard, dang it. Back to being hard again. And God knows this and he's wired us and he's called us into relationship for people around us to help us. And so half the time, I think the church is abiding in God's love and they're the ones encouraging the rest of us to go abide in God's love. So that as we abide in God's love, then we can become people that tell people to abide in God's love and to live with them and love with them, encourage them in a way that leads them into that. And it's so hard. You know, some of you have been hearing me talk about a story, a friend of mine who's dying of cancer, a good friend of mine, I met with him this week. I always meet with him and he, I always leave and I come back and I tell you all what he said. And I might have told you this before, but I was thinking, Lord, what, is, what does it look like for me to abide in God's love? What does it, how does that express itself in a selfless way? And there's lots of examples of that that I could give. Um, but, uh, but, but it's hard to differentiate how much of this is Antley doing the right thing and how much of this is love leading me, empowering me, and freeing me as I abide in him to do the right thing. And I was talking to my friend John, and I asked him, I asked him, I, I get all the stories mixed up, so if, I, if I've told a story, then forgive me. But I asked him, um, again, he's dying of, of lung cancer. And uh, he's a pulmonologist, he knows that he's dying, and he loves the Lord more than anyone that I know. He's amazing. And uh, I went and spent some time with him, and he was saying, and I asked him, I said, what are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? What are you fearful of? And I'm thinking, like, death. Like, what's next? You know, of, of uh, that, I mean, the, not, that, that's what I'm afraid of. You know, when I'm honest, I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm like, man, what's eternity going to be like? Is this true at all? Am I just going to vanish? I mean, I think these things. I mean, this is what I would probably think, and I would think I would think this, right? And he says, oh, he goes, that's easy. He says, when I think about leaving the people that I love, mainly my sons and my, my wife, to go through the pain that I'm going to cause them by my death, when I think about not being there to love them, to encourage them, and to comfort them, it makes me so sad. And I fear what they're gonna go through without me being there. And I'm thinking, I am such a sinner. I don't feel close to that towards other people. His greatest fear, his greatest worry, what brings sadness to his heart as he's ending his life is love. And he said this to me, he says, he says, he says, love always wants to be present in suffering. Love always wants to be present to encourage. Love always wants to be present and struggle. And he said, I'm not only causing this pain in their life, I won't be able to be present as love calls me to be. And he said, that is devastating to me. And he said, I've heard the closer I get to Jesus though, towards the end of my life, that it gets better. And so I'm hopeful that that's true. That's somebody who has experienced Jesus' love and his abiding. And when he responds to the question, one of the biggest questions of life, his response is love. It just came out natural as anything because of his abiding relationship with Jesus. I hear that and I'm sitting there and what's my response when I hear that? Oh man, I wanna spend more time with Jesus. I'm gonna be sad to not spend time with my friend John when he dies, but I'm really gonna to wanna to spend more and more and more time with Jesus when I see what love can look like in the face of death. And so God teaches us that abiding with Jesus always, eventually, manifests itself in loving other people. Always. Abiding with Jesus always manifests itself in sacrificial love for other people. 1 John 3.10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. We know that in John 3.14, 1 John, this is the same author, by the way, that we've been talking about. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers. Who does, whoever does not love abides in death. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, cannot do, he, does not, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have, we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. The only way this is possible, folks, is by abiding. The only way that this happens Is by abiding. God, our Father, he sees us and he shows us what this looks like. He demonstrates it in the Son, Jesus Christ. Remember, he says, abide in me in the same way that I've been abiding in my Father. How was Jesus able to go to the cross? Because he was abiding in the Father's love. How was Jesus able to be obedient to the Father's command? Because he was abiding in the Father's love. And so God so loved the world that he sent his only Son. He sees us suffering, he sees us dying, he sees that we need to be reminded of who we are and that he loves us, so he sends his son, Jesus Christ, as an act of love to come, move toward us, seeking not only to comfort us, but also to speak the truth of who we are and who we've been created to be, to rescue us from the lies of the enemy who has come to kill, steal, and destroy us. So he sends Jesus, his only son, for us, to lay down his life for us, literally in every way, to sacrifice everything, to demonstrate that he loves us to show us who we've been created to be people who lay down our life for other people, knowing that we will only that this will only happen as we abide in the love that we experience in being rescued by Jesus as we live from Jesus and through Jesus then and only then will we become disciples that glorify God only then will we bear fruit much fruit only then Will we be able to encourage and love and tell people who they really are and who God's come to make them? So this is what you need to do. This is the do. Be with Jesus. Abide with Jesus. But find some people in your life that will help you do that. People like your spouse. People like your friends. People in a city group. There is no shortcut to this. We are wired for relationship. It is the place that God transforms our life through the power of the Spirit. We need to be reminded of this. And if we aren't, we'll believe the lies. We will not see clearly who God has called us to be. Let's stand.